0: This is Bigger Pockets Daily. I'm your host, Tyler. And if you're new to the show, I read articles from rock star real estate investors every single day because we know you don't always have time for long podcast episodes or audiobooks. Okay, almost time for the show. We'll get right into it after this quick break. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. A U.S. default could be catastrophic for real estate investors. Here's what you need to know by Andrew Sirios. The financial press was a buzz again about the debt ceiling deadline and the risks of another government shutdown and perhaps a catastrophic default on U.S. debt. But an agreement was reached. So let's first start with a quick overview of what's actually going on and how such fiscal cliffs have gone in the past. Here's a recent history of debt ceiling debates. The debt ceiling is supposed to set a cap on the total amount of money the U.S. federal government is authorized to borrow. Over recent years, this ceiling has, for the most part, been something of a joke. As the website for the U.S. Department or Treasury Department notes, Since 1960, Congress has enacted 78 separate times to permanently raise, temporarily extend, or revise the definition of the debt limit. I'm not sure what you call something that has been raised more than once a year for over half a century. But a ceiling doesn't seem like quite the right word for it, you know? Every once in a while, however, negotiations break down, and the clock strikes zero before an agreement to either raise the debt ceiling or lower spending or maybe a mix of the two, is reached. In such cases, a government shutdown ensues, although it should be noted that such shutdowns are only partial and usually involve furloughing government employees and suspending entitlement payments and the like. There have been 10 government shutdowns since 1980, although the four that took place in the 80s all lasted under a day two for only about four hours. (laughs) The longest that occurred before the turn of the century was in 1995 and 96, and it lasted 21 days. Only some agencies were affected, and about 284,000 federal employees were furloughed. This took place shortly after 800,000 were furloughed in a five-day shutdown a month earlier. Since the Great Recession and subsequent ballooning of the federal debt, political fights over the debt ceiling have intensified. Since then there have been two nasty debt ceiling fights that resulted in shutdowns. The nastiest one was probably 2013, which led to a 16-day shutdown that affected all agencies and led to furloughing 800,000 federal employees. A bipartisan super committee was supposed to find $1.5 trillion in cuts over the next 10 years, but failed to do so. Thus, we defaulted to an across-the-board excluding entitlements, budget sequestration that basically no one was happy with. The cuts lowered spending by about $1.1 trillion over the next eight years below what they would have otherwise been, although some of that sequester was subsequently removed. In 2018, there was the longest shutdown on record, 35 days. This was in January. That was predominantly held up over disagreements about a proposed border wall, the cost to the government was estimated at $5 bucks. That's no chump change, and there were plenty of disruptions from these shutdowns. For example, air travel was strained, national parks were closed, and a bunch of other problems and inconveniences occurred. But there were no major effects, and it almost went without notice to real estate investors as prices showed no effect from any of the shutdowns nor sequestration. If budget deficits were rustling some feathers back in 2013, then said rustling has likely increased several times, over as the U.S. budget deficit passed $1.1 trillion for just the first half of fiscal year 2023. Just the first half! And this is after the brunt of the COVID-19 pandemic is no longer there to justify all this spending. Of course, just because the budget is out of whack doesn't make it obvious how to address such an imbalance. What gets cut? How much? Should taxes be raised? Which ones? And by what amount? Obviously, there's a lot to debate. At issue here are a variety of issues. See what I did there? Including clawing back unspent COVID-19 money, about $30 billion, future budget caps, regulations on energy development, and whether to increase work requirements for those receiving food stamps, Medicaid, and or TANF, T-A-N-F, Temporary Assistance for Needy Families. In other words, there are a lot of things on the table to discuss. With so much on the table, it could be difficult to work out a deal. Thus, the deadline might get missed, which is what all the fuss is about. So if a deal did not get done and all the money ran out without some sort of resolution, then the U.S. federal government would default on its debt for the first time in its history. Although, that's kind of at least officially, because some do argue it has effectively defaulted in the past, kind of several times. And while a shutdown wouldn't be particularly bad, a default may be catastrophic. Should we worry about a potential default? So the last article I wrote was on stoicism. There's also a podcast to go along with it and the importance of not letting things you cannot control affect your well-being. And presuming you aren't a member of Congress, this is definitely one of those things you can't control. (laughs) But further, the odds of an outright default are extremely negligible. I don't have a lot of faith in politicians. At all. But the sheer insanity of failing to pay our debt payments when the money is available to do so would be incomprehensible. It needs to be remembered that this is not an either-or issue. The government will not either come to an agreement or fail to. There are plenty of makeshift and temporary measures that can be, rather easily, taken to avoid a default, even if they don't avoid a shutdown. Now, this would include passing a temporary extension on the debt ceiling deadline, something that has been done before. If a default were to happen, ever, it would cause an array of very serious problems for real estate investors, There would be a run on banks. Credit would dry up. So getting a bank loan would be close to impossible. Yahoo predicts mortgage payments would go up a cool 22%. Lines of credit would probably be called, so investors could or would lose access to those. Thereby, real estate prices would likely plunge. The economy would plunge into a recession, and many tenants would lose their jobs, causing delinquency to spike, Contractors and vendors would go out of business, making it difficult to find people to do work even if you had the money to pay them. As far as how to prepare, well, if you haven't already built your underground bunker and stocked a year's food supply, not really a lot you can do at this point other than take out any money you have in the stock market. In short, it would be very bad for real estate investors, and having my predictions from this podcast thrown in my face would be the least Of my problems? That being said, it's not going to happen. After all, these are the steps we'd have to go through to get there. One, no deal can be reached. Two, no deal can be reached before the Treasury runs out of money to make interest payments. Three, no extension nor temporary deal is made to pay for interest payments. Four, once the financial markets begin to panic after a payment is missed, Congress doesn't immediately change course and make its debt payments. I'd say the odds of one and two are at least kind of possible, albeit unlikely. Three is basically impossible, and four is just unfathomable. Yes, it's never wise to bet your money on the wisdom of politicians, but I do expect them to intentionally breathe and eat and sleep, and avoiding a default when there's money to pay, isn't asking much more than the previously mentioned expectations. Which is what they did. We got a deal done. So the conclusion? Yes, the prospect of a potential default in the future will make for great headlines, but it's extraordinarily unlikely. But moreover, there is little the average person can really do to affect it, and it's too late to make any broad adjustments to such a dire scenario. In general... We're sailing through volatile economic waters, even if a government default is not in the cards. I've written this before. The best investors often do the best during recessions or volatile economies. They don't do so, however, by sitting on the sidelines. Instead, they keep their cash reserves high, adjust to the environment, sharpen their pencils, and continue. There will be economic troubles ahead. Be cautious and conservative, but don't stop and merely hunker down because of a few doomsaying headlines. That's this Tuesday's show. What do you want to hear more of? Shoot us an email at podcast at biggerpockets.com to let us know. Thanks for spending time with us, and I'll be back tomorrow. No, really. If I'm not back tomorrow, something's seriously wrong.